thank you for joining us on Love That VoiceOver, where we explore the people and projects behind the microphone. This is Rick Riley, commercial, promo, and documentary voice of NFL's Minnesota Vikings. Keep listening to Love That VoiceOver with Love That Rebecca. Brought to you by the talented voiceover artist, Rebecca Michaels-Haw. Hey, all you lovely, fabulous, fantastically, wonderfully rich, creative actors and agents and casting and producers listening to Love That VoiceOver. Thank you for tuning in. All right, we're back with Jeffrey Umberger. I love it. Did anybody ever call you Hamburger? Oh, man, the, the name, yeah. I, you can put any initial in front of Umberger, and there's one in particular. My last name, my middle name is Charlton. So if you put that initial in front of my <laughs> last name, I don't know why. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I went with a C-H. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> Charm is more like funny. it. There you go. That's funny. Um, <laughs> let's go to... Um, Voice talent really have a, a variety of, of negative perspectives about pay-to-plays in the majority. There are a lot of voice talent that do use it and find it very fruitful for them. If you see the way the terrain is right now, the land that we're playing in, and if you were to forecast uh, where you think things are headed, what would you what, what's in your crystal ball? I think more people are going to start to understand that they're worth more money. And we'll ask for that eventually. I think there's always going to be two two type of people. There's there's bottom feeders in any any game you yeah. play. When I was a musician and I was making a certain amount in Atlanta, when I moved to LA, I thought I'm going to double my money. This is going to be great. And I got there and I was I made half. And that's because there were people that were always desperate and to take less. So you're not going to be able to really fight that if it's in the hands of the people. Uh, <laughs> um, that sounds like a political thing or something, but but <laughs> it is really it is you know agencies and studios and everything the unions they had it all kind of set so we had to just move in and maintain it and make it grow. So now that it's in the hands of everyone, that's what happens with a lot of the digital nature of our world. If you look at everything that's become digital, some things are made better by it, and some things are made a little harder to deal with. And so in this case, we need. I say I do predict that people will be tired of even just giving it away, and we'll kind of come back up a little bit. But um, but there I will still the always be the bottom feeders as well, and that's part of be. the competitive environment nature of it. Yes, and you know clients will always get what they get where they want to get it. If they don't want to pay a lot, they might walk out, and there's plenty of great talent that are taking jobs for less money. So they are getting some really good talent for not much money. Yeah. And that talent is able able to sustain because they do a, a volume of work and and make it work that way. Well, I think since you know, I don't think we're going to reverse the effects of this or or stop it from ever happening. And there are parts of it that I like that talent can find experience, find and find their own way. Yeah. But I just encourage every living talent out there that's trying to work with you need the money for your for your you know monthly income, or if you're doing it because you like it please work toward finding out what the minimums are and, and help us all keep it on the right. because there's room right. for everybody. Just don't kill us. <laughs> right, right. And and I've heard that sentiment voiced, and I agree with it, and so we'll repeat that, and we I underline what you just said. Thank you. Now, looking at some other questions that came in, kind of still related to pay-to-plays, 
Some people have heard that agents are actually using pay to plays to find the right voice. Gosh, I get so many submissions, and so many, I really take um, submissions from re- industry referrals only anyway, and so that I know that they've come through people that have worked with them, or they they suggest them to me, and or you know if I do workshops, that's sort of an industry referral, or if I'm talking to you, that's an industry referral to me. Is what I mean is kind of sharing some kind of earthly space with this voice and personality. Right. So I don't seek talent that way. Yeah. Have you heard of? advertising agencies using pay-to-plays. This is what I had heard. An advertising agency used a pay-to-play to get um, a scratch track. I don't know if that ever ended up into something more or mm-hmm. or production companies even. Um, are, you know, production companies are definitely using pay-to-plays. So what do you, what do you think do about it, all that? I don't hate that it's happening. I mean, I, I'll put out an audition, let's say, for a national Texaco commercial. <laughs> so this is very random. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> so I'll know that it's in generally speaking. Uh, I've been I've been uh, I've been invited, and I know it might be kind of a voice bank type level where where national agencies are asked to to play. But then certain talent that I have who are also on pay to play sites will always let me know. Hey, I already got this from my LA agent or. I saw this on Voice One Two Three. I did it three days ago. <laughs> so we do get informed uh, sort of that way. There you um, go. From hearing, okay, oh, it's, 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 and I know it's coming from, uh, uh, you know, let's talk about a maybe BDO or some well-known advertising agency. That's been the case before. Maybe not BDO, but um, I knew the advertising agency had also put it out on on uh, pay and play sites. So I know that they all do play that area as well. Um, let's face it, I guess, an advertising agency that is not so concerned with the fee structure and wants a good budget and wants to maybe find it easier than going to an agency or maybe wants to try the waters and see if it is easier has probably done that. I, but the, it hasn't been in abundance over the years. And I think if it were trending toward more uh, advertising agencies using those systems, I would have heard more uh, about it. Okay. Um, well, that's that's a positive sign. Um <laughs> Let's talk about categories of voiceover. So let me just throw a list and then you can fix it or change it. Commercials, games, promos, audiobooks. Uh, am I missing something? Or is that pretty much the big? Yeah, narration, I guess. The, narration, you know, sorry. Durr. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 That's right. You missed one of the colors in the flag. Oh my God, I did. I missed the stars. I love narration. <laughs> yeah, and a really good friend of mine, um, Tom Pinto. My chair keeps squeaking. That's my chair. I will stop turning. He says that there's the TV narration, which is like primetime TV, um, and then there's like corporate narration, and um, and then a separate category. It's all kind of under the umbrella of narration, but I'm kind of defining this because I think this is really fascinating. And then there's, you know, documentaries, which are a different kind of narration, but they all kind of fall yeah. under narration, right? Yeah, they do. And it's, it makes it even hard for us agents to figure out what what the client means or what they want, but the individual specs will usually sort of clean that up and you consider the source or the networks that are going to go on, that style is already going to be, usually will already be driven about their style, and they will continue with it. So if it's, a, if it's, if it's the ID network where they show only uh, cops and killers and all that type of stuff, investigative stuff, right. that 
that style of narration is probably already set, and it's not as much of a mystery to you if you can figure out where your audition material is going to be ultimately played. Exactly. So that can help steer you a little bit. Well, considering volume of activity, which is the largest or maybe the top three or four for your, for your agency? Mm-hmm. I guess commercial for me would be the top, um, and corporate would be the next one. And they, they sometimes run a close second with each other, depending on the trends of the year. Right. Um, uh, I, live in, I live in Atlanta, so there's a lot of Fortune 500 companies headquartered here, and I also have you know, the network of producers and directors and uh, casting directors that, that invite me nationally. So a, a lot of the corporate stuff will be pretty active. But the commercial stuff, we all pretty much get the same uh, offerings um, now that L.A. and New York get pretty much anywhere, I guess, because of the success of Voice Bank letting us all be equal players as well as digital nature of the world yeah. uh, of sound, letting us be equal players and speed, you know. But, um, so I think commercial, then corporate, and then um, for me, it's been sort of what you go for, I guess, what your agency shoots for. And I went looking for and thought out game uh, stuff because I had so many good actors and voice uh, talent on the on the roster, actors being those that want to not just be a, a very good narrator or get a good piece of commercial copy story told, they want to sort of flesh out uh, you know, a role. Right. And I thought it was very fun and it was a challenge because we, we weren't getting that much work here in, in, in Georgia. And so um, now we are. And it's a That's lot of great. fun. Yeah. And you mentioned um, that you are, um, that you have voices that are being cast a lot for uh, The Walking Dead, as well as other fun games that you can't mention because of NDAs. But do you want to talk about gaming and what's been happening a little bit more specifically? Well, specifically, uh, if you just mentioned like The Walking Dead game, it's recently gone union uh, because they they, uh, they cast... um, someone that was a member of the union. So the whole project went union, but um, it was uh, a fun opportunity to be able to, to cast, mainly because they flew the talent across the country or from wherever they were to the uh, village north of San Francisco there. Uh, to yeah, record Fairfield. Yes. Telltale Games. It's, uh, right. It's such a nice... Thing. I mean, nobody ever travels as a voiceover talent anymore. <laughs> and yeah. it's so nice to be able to go somewhere and do something in person. Um, so I was not only elated to get the audition for my talent here, but no matter where my talent was, they they were willing to fly them across the country and house them and, and feed them and everything. It was That's brilliant. Awesome. Um, but that actually has, you know, I don't think that's happening much anymore. They're just allowing our talent, no matter where they are, to record. In, uh, in the city they live in, which is, again, um, not to take away from any other city, but I'm glad that um, talent can be considered no matter where they live for big, fun stuff like this. And right. So, um, and, I mean, I would have liked to at least have a chance to fly out there uh, as a mandatory agent that must <laughs> accompany the talent. <laughs> Business expense. Now, let me ask right. you a quick question. Do you, you work, though, not, not as a regional ac- uh, agent because you represent talent from different places, correct? I do. I consider myself national now, but not to take the arrogance that I would say, all you LA giants, good luck. I'm coming your way. I don't (laughs) set it like that. Um, And if it's going to set itself like that one day, it will. Naturally, Umberger will be where it will be 
because of the talent that I represent and the, and the hard work we all do for it. But right. I don't. So when I say I'm a national agency, I'm not trying to say, "Look, I am William Morris. Hear me roar." What I do want to know, what, what I want to say, is that we are all now considered at least for our talent no matter where we are. And so that makes it a nation of agencies. And so um, uh, clients are opening up to us being wherever. So that's the only reason I say I'm a nation, a national agency, but I still have, of course, the regional work here that probably won't leave the area. Um, and that's why you, as a voiceover talent, need to be represented in all the regions. You need to have a Southeast agent uh, and, and, and a national agency, which I would still consider you having a national agency in LA for now. Um, although I could be anchored as a national agency one day that you would consider as your main national agent and still have regional agencies around. Right. Up in LA. <laughs> right. But you right. need to, to, in order to make yourself work, you need to be at least five or six agencies all around the country in the regions, because regional work still does happen, and it stays locked into its own region, whereas national work goes everywhere now. Right, right. Well, you just hit about five other questions, which is fabulous. Terrific. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen, though, I've been in in voiceover since 2001, and I have seen some agencies close, you know, partly because of the economic problems that the U.S. has had. I also think because of this, this stratospheric kind of change with digital that's happened. Um, uh, so in terms of regional agencies, um, uh, I think that they do exist, but I think there are less of them. Is that something you could speak to? Do you know? In my experience, the ones that I've known about regionally, even across the country regionally, are still in in business that I've known about in the past mm. decade. Mm-hmm. I've known of agencies regionally here there's been a strong set of seven to ten agencies in Atlanta um, that are still open, still running for business. There's a couple that have faded off, uh, maybe just gone to one discipline instead of uh, voiceover. They've added uh, on-camera and then taken away voiceovers. So they're mm-hmm. on-camera because we have such a great film and TV market here. Yeah. They've, a lot, they've sort of adjusted for the business. But I haven't encountered a lot of closings, thank God, and I would have been a little bit more reticent. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean <laughs> Well, that's great. Let's change the subject. Thanks a lot for the bad news in the cloud. No, you know what? I think this this had to do with some um, uh, other markets that were probably destined to go through that kind of a change, and perhaps mm-hmm. economically when we have gone through a recession, that just sped up the process probably because there's also probably only a there's a saturation point for how many regional agents you could possibly have in a specific regional market yes that's very true yeah yeah. okay well let's take a quick break we'll be right back with jeffrey umberger sign up for special notices of love that voiceover at lovethatvoiceover.com just go to lovethatvoiceover.com and sign up This is a big thank you shout out. Thanks to all of the following people I'm naming personally for sending in questions that got incorporated in one way or another into the interview all episodes with Jeffrey Umberger. Thanks to Bob Sauer, Eric Fox, Ed Victor, Laura Bidnarski, Dan Walks, John Bailey, Scott Raines, Fran McClellan, Mo Rock, Larry Hudson, Rick Riley, Mike McGonigal, Dave Cavoisier, Tasia Valenza, Tom Pinto, Ellie Ray, Anthony Pizzelli. Thanks. So do you know the story about how I was looking for 
improvisation online for voiceover actors and how I didn't find it anywhere. I turned over rocks. I went into old archives. Well, really, there was nothing there. And I wanted time to practice my character voices and develop new ones that I didn't even know I had yet. So, basically, I created voiceover improvisation online on Skype. And yes, it's audio only, and there's a lot of cool people already doing this. You're invited to the party. Hey, hop on over, get those neurons firing even better and in different ways. <laughs> it's like working out in a different way. It's voiceover improvisation workouts online on Skype from your own home studio. It's pretty effing cool. Cray cray. Go to vo-improv.com. Twitter at voimprov. All right, that's enough. Back to the show. I understand you have done some comedy. Have you done comedy theater? Is that part of your background? Or Yes. Yes? Well, I've done uh, all sorts of theater, but we, in the last 10 years, we, um, well, since 2004, I became a member of a local sketch comedy troupe called Sketchworks, sketchworkscomedy.com. And it's basically uh, Saturday Night Live on stage, and it's better. Hang <laughs> 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 on. Depending on which week you watch Saturday Night Live. But, um, right. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to talk to you about improvisation and how important improvisation is, in your opinion, for voice actors. Um, and I'm, I'm going to plug something that I do because I think it's really important. I live um, in a removed territory, and so I don't get to interface a lot with other actors. And what I wanted to do is do an online improvisation workout for voiceover artists. And uh, nobody was doing it anywhere, anywhere. Zero. Oh, wow. Some people were doing some workshops, but they weren't really about improvisation and how to apply it to voiceover. Um, and all I wanted to do was be with some of my peers because a lot of them get together to do script workouts, but they don't do improvisation. And I just needed it in my blood. So I started it <laughs> July. And I have found that it incredibly, like exponentially, I will say, increases my flexibility in giving options in auditions as well as for projects. And um, it, I would say, helps me feel stronger standing on my own two feet uh, because I feel like I have more in my toolbox. That's true. And basically, I just wanted your impressions and thoughts around using improvisation and uh, anything you want to elaborate on about that for voiceover. Improvisation for an actor in any discipline to me is um, the gold standard. It's just everyone has to take it. Um, and then after you had to take it, I think everybody's going to want to continue to take it because it does open up so many things for you, doesn't it? And it, it, does. it does make you more free. And it you, does. you start thinking, wow, I didn't think about that at all before. Now, now you probably come up with improv in many ways throughout your day, not just voiceover, but I think you think of improv as a way of living a little more flexible. <laughs> and a little bit more uh, flowing, too. Flexible and flowing, because I was telling somebody the other day, there's a concept in improv, for background for people who are listening, there's a concept in improv that's yes and. Yes, you and. basically don't negate things. You don't really put up a wall and say no, like put up your hand and put up a stop sign kind of attitude, right? You, you say yes and yeah, I listened to Tina Fey talking about improv and how it helped her, and she said it helped her in her life, too. And I started thinking about it and started to try to use it. And so instead of getting in fights with my boyfriend, I really try to understand what he's saying by saying yes and with that concept in mind. And that's bringing to my life some benefit. So uh, your boyfriend says, 
you hate me, right? And you say, yes, and I want you out. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> that hasn't been the scene that we've had to work through. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. <laughs> but normally well, when... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It really helps on all kinds of levels. And you said I was supporting what you said because I believe that that is true. And in my life, I'm finding that to be true. And I even saw an interview where Tina Fey said that was true for her. So in my opinion, it blows my mind that people don't know about this so much in voiceover. But that's my impression. Um, people yeah. who have an acting background that come to voiceover, that would be um, – something that they probably already know, but a lot of people who are kind of just getting into voiceover maybe don't hear this enough because they don't think of voiceover maybe as acting. I know. Can you talk about that? Well, that is, it's sad that they don't think of it that way because it is actually, there's so many stories to be told. Even if you think of it, uh, the, the announcer, James Earl Jones, that got to say the three words, this is CNN. That is a story in itself that does take acting to be able to do that. Whether you call it high, high art acting or whatever, it's, it may be not quite Academy Award winning eligible, but it is, it's calling upon something not a robot do. So it does call upon you to think about and to put something into those words. And so acting is alive and all voiceover. And, but I don't like for someone to not think of themselves an actor as an actor first. I think that's too important of a note for everyone yeah. to, to consider themselves an actor. And improv can completely open up doors of thought to where you can give them three quick, easy endings uh, of a narration spot or, or a commercial tag, uh, three quick things you can come up with. Or if you're if you're in a callback session and say, that's great, we just kind of want to hear a little something different, then you'll be able to pull something different. Uh, through that improv right right exactly thank you because i really like it when people get that and i appreciate that um okay lots of people send in questions that are kind of around this area which is with regards to talent having multiple agents uh regionally mm -hmm. in different parts of uh, north america or perhaps perhaps excuse me even in europe can you talk about that, the benefits, pros and cons, things that people need to consider? Well, yeah, specifically speaking of the Atlanta market, we have, you know, some very strong voiceover talent agencies here or on-camera agencies with talent, uh, voice talent divisions. And so we are all vying for the good talent that this pool offers for local or regional talent here. And all the talent want to be with everyone because I'll get my my niche of clients that don't go to anyone else and they'll get theirs that don't go to me for whatever reason. And so mm. it can benefit you to be with multiple agents here in one region. But there is a very dangerous element to it that I want everybody to be clear about is that don't make your agent race to get to you because what that does is put me at a disadvantage of actually taking the time to survey the, the job and make sure that the contract or the release is good, or the rate is the best. Um, not that working with the, the regular regional clients, but that's going to be a mystery every time. That's not going to be a problem every time, but that's one thing that can get in the way. If if you do first come, first serve, let's say you're with Hamburger Agency and with People Store, or with any other great agency in town here. Sure. If you're with us all, and we both we all get the Georgia Lottery audition, we'll be putting it out in our in our sequence of our afternoon, uh, I try to put things up quickly. But if I've got two other jobs in front of that one, I know it's going out. 
But sometimes I know, okay, that's regional. I've got to race because Richard Hutchison is going to mail that out quicker than I can even think about it. So there's a sense of competition among some folks in the regional market, potentially, and Atlanta is one of them where you might have talent on your roster that another voiceover agent has on their roster. And in this case, the particular audition is probably going to be handled by that particular talent based on who the agent is that sends it to them first to do the audition for. Yeah. So first first in is sort of a lot of multi, multi-listed talents way of handling it. Right. I prefer the preferred method, whereas you have, so you're with Richard Hutchison and you're with Umberger Agency and you're with Houghton Talent. Out of the three of them, pick one and have loyalty to that one first. So if I, if we all send you lottery, check with your preferred agency. Are you invited to work on lottery? Are you going to be putting that one out? And I'll say, they'll say yes or no. And then you have your pecking order, not in order of favorites or whatever it is, but you know, maybe you've been with one since the beginning, or maybe one is expressing a desire to have you work directly with them or preferred with them for six months to see if they can do what you need them to do for you. Right. It allows sort of a loyalty and a teamwork and, the problem with getting me off um, into a race to try to get Mary Harris on, you know, on the lottery ahead of Richard getting his out means I have to drop what I'm doing for another client to rush this out just to get it to them. When if we already had that loyalty worked in there, I wouldn't. I would know that Mary Harris is going to be expecting me to get this out if she got it from someone else. Um, right. How often does that happen to you? Um, with some regular regional work, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'll get the email back from someone saying, oh, sorry, I already got this from fill in the blank. And I think, darn it. I, you know, I, I spent the extra time to make sure that that was not just one cycle for that rate, that it was, you know, I mean, that the rates are right or that the release right. right. And meanwhile, that's one thing I mentioned earlier about a voice bank thing where I declined to work on it because the rate was deplorable. Other agencies had submitted it, and I heard back from talent um, when I finally submitted it um, that they had already gotten it from another, another agent, but the other agent had accepted the rate. Not that they were trying to be bad and not to know good rate. I just worked harder on that particular one. That the rate tripled, and they re-released the job, but the agencies who had already put out that audition got that talent first. So the other agencies benefited from my time, and the talent went with them, so I lost the talent and the opportunity. So it doesn't make it fair to put, and it doesn't make it good sense to put your agent in a race. Just simply have an understanding. If you're going to be in a market where multi-listing is acceptable, each agency is aware that you need to do this, and we'll work with you. And you need to set up a precedent with them that, look, if, if for the first six months that I work with you, or for the first year, I'll give you preferred so if I get three lotteries, I'll go with you first. If you don't put it out, maybe you weren't invited, and I'll take it down the line. You know, it's professional. Yes. Um, great. That's really helpful as a window into what your life is like, too. Um, does this happen to you on national? Uh, because that's really what we call a cattle call sometimes when uh, a big agency like a BBDNO or somebody else has a national campaign for whatever product or client. and all the agencies everywhere are seeing that available via voicebank.net. So in that case, you know, how are you dealing with knowing what to do and how to approach uh, getting your auditions? What's your process? 
Well, it does happen with national jobs as well, and it usually, in that case, it would be a voice bank thing. But for instance, there was a McDonald's spot that came out, um, mm-hmm. and I started, I, I issued the audition, and I expected those that I repped um, that were maybe in LA that had a national agent to, to respond and say, hey, I already got this from from, from DPN or whatever. And um, I, I wasn't. I was just getting the auditions back from them. And so one guy said, hey, dude, how did you score at McDonald's? And I was, then I realized that that producer had selected who to invite nationally and who not to. So they did invite William Morris that time. They invited me and whoever else they invited. So it does happen nationally. And so what does that person do who does have a national agent in William Morris and regional agency with Umberger, they wouldn't have naturally suspected that William Morris wasn't going to be doing it. If I sent it to him, just for certain they would have thought William Morris would. But that's not always the way it's generally the way. <laughs> so, um, but for some reason, that producer had worked with me before and didn't see the need to, to go to all you know the national agencies for that. And I, I booked, I booked the national spot. So, um, I don't know cool. what to do in that case. It's a tricky one. It doesn't come up as often as the national stuff as it for regional, though. No. Okay, we're going to say thanks to Jeffrey for this episode. Thank you, Jeffrey. Yay! Thank you, Rebecca. Yay! <laughs> Until next time, thanks for listening to lovethatvoiceover.com. Lots of love to you, you sexy, beautiful, adorable person. Take care.